Hello, educators and learners, and welcome to the Homeroom with Sal podcasts brought to you by Khan Academy. We're an educational technology nonprofit dedicated to bringing a world-class education to anyone, anywhere. Homeroom with Sal and Khan Academy Ed Talks are hosted by our founder, Sal Khan, and our chief learning officer, Kristen DeCerbo. I'm neither of those people. I'm Kevin Dangor. I'm on the engineering team, and I'm here to introduce today's show. These shows were first shared as live stream videos on our Facebook and YouTube pages as Sal and Kristen interviewed notable folks from around the world of education, technology, finance, entertainment, and more. We've taken some of our favorite conversations from the live show and turned them into a podcast. Without further ado, here is the latest episode. Without further ado, let me introduce Dr. Ted Coe. So he has over 25 years of experience as a teacher, professor, department chair, administrator, and a nonprofit director, basically weaving together perspectives about mathematics education. Uh, he has experience as a full-time high school mathematics teacher, a community college faculty member, a mathematics chair at two community colleges, and an assistant dean at the university level. And um, I will say, as someone who is a graduate of Arizona State University, he is a fellow Sun Devil as well. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. We are glad to have you. So first of all, tell us what your role is specifically. What do you do at NWEA? This is, this is an interesting question, right? Uh, the, uh, the answer is, the title is, Director of Content Advocacy and Design for Mathematics. And the, the interesting side to it is, is, well, I get to advocate for content. And, and so I, it, 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 for many ways for me, it's like this dream world to be in where I get to kind of uh, imagine the kinds of things that we want to work on. How do we want to grow? How do we want to uh, move beyond a, a focus on assessment to teaching and learning and getting into the classroom, you know, and, and, and getting it. So, so it's, it's envisioning these kinds of things. It's being able to work with different states and districts and get in there and roll up our sleeves and get our, our hands dirty, trying to solve some, some pretty messy problems. So uh, that's a lot. That's a lot of what I get to do. And so to me, it's just, it's, it's, it's great fun. That's fantastic. How did you come to be in this role? What was your path that you took to end up here? It's so, it was so bizarre. It's a lot, it's a crazy path, career path. People, you know, and the started out as a high school teacher. Uh, things were going well. I loved high school teaching, highlight, highlight of the career, right? Then I, then I ended up, uh, I ended up, getting pulled over to uh, one of the community colleges. And I actually walked right in my first job in the community college system was as a, as a chair at uh, Rio Salado College in the Maricopa Community College District. So it was like this, this, big, this big sort of leap. Uh, I, did, I ended up switching over to uh, another community college in the district, Scottsdale. And, uh, and while I was there, I ended up being involved deeply in the, uh, in, in the mathematics around the whole community college system and, and kind of involved in the articulation conversations around the state and everything. And somewhere, somewhere along that time, uh, the Park Consortium came along. And you might remember this, this was in the early years of the Common Core and there were the two major consortia, Park and Smarter Balanced. And, and I was brought on to this, this, the, the Park side of the conversation. Arizona was a, a, one of the governing states at the time and I was brought in as one of the higher ed content experts. And so I was dropped into this space all of a sudden where I was, I'd been a, a, a 
college professor and high school teacher. And, and now I was in this space where it's like, we want your input on this multi-state assessment that's on these new standards. And so I'm like, well, let's read the standards. Let's see what this is about. And, and I got really involved in it. And, event, and so much, in fact, that, that eventually uh, Park, Park split off of the, the group that was running it, which was called Achieve. And Achieve was you know, the ones for the uh, American Diploma Project, helped lead the Common Core and all that, and the Next Generation Science Standards. And so they, uh, you know, they hired me to be their math director. And so for the, for for the, the years prior to coming into this into this space at NWEA, where I've been for two years, I was the director of mathematics there and got to work all around the country with great folks everywhere, and really get to see uh, how the how the the policies and worked out and the difficulties that people were encountering and trying to talk through some of those things and getting the chance to speak all over the country. It was it was great fun. It's been it's been great fun. It's just been. Uh, it, one surprise after the other. And here I am today. <laughs> Fantastic. That sounds great. So let's talk a little bit about teaching and learning math. Um, historically, there's been all this discussion about, should I teach, should we teach procedural skills? Should we teach conceptual understanding? And there's this almost these wars about which one is more important and where those is. Is that the right conversation to be having? You know, it, it's 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 a tale as old as time, at least as old as my career has been. Right? That there's this there's, there's always this tension in there, and and so you know, I've had to sit back and think to myself, you know, how how would I describe teaching and learning mathematics after my 20 years of teaching? And you know, I was like, well, how how, how do I sum this up? Uh, and I it was some I developed along the way, but it, it was just this idea that look. Part of part of what we do in 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 mathematics is is we teach these ways of doing, uh, but and, and we want you to be able to do those. But we also we also want to make sure that you're picking up ways of thinking. And I'll give you an example of that in in just a moment. That go alongside habits of thinking. So you have these ways of thinking, sort of at a core, that are that are bolstered by these habits of thinking that are then in turn really sort of. Uh, Brought, you know, they, they come to the table in certain ways through the ways of doing that allow you to go on and do something bigger with the mathematics. An example I use uh, quite frequently is with this idea of ways of thinking. And I, and I can ask a room full of adults this question. And it, basically, I say something like, hey, you know, how many years was it from December 7th, 1941 to December 7th, 2014? That's how long I've been using this question. Okay, so so December twenty fourteen, <laughs> okay. and and uh, and you know you, you by and large you ask this to a room full of even adults, right? And people will sit there and they start chewing on on an answer and they start oh what can I do what can I do and and they go through some mechanizations in their head and they go they they might think well that's actually kind of a subtraction problem but I don't really need to do use subtraction to get it because in this case I'm just trying to find this additive comparison and this gap if you will between the two numbers and there are different ways to do it maybe I want to go from 1941 to 2000 cut it off and then go from 2000 to 2014 or or maybe I want to maybe I want to take the whole thing and so starting in 1941 I want to slide the whole thing back a year and start at 1940. Uh, either way, all of these things are fair, but, but, but the majority of the folks I ask that question, they don't answer it with the way of doing. They don't do the 15 steps of setting up the algorithm, borrowing, not giving back, all that kind of thing, putting the one. They, they don't do that. They, 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 they bring ways of thinking to bear. Right, and and I think yeah, I, I think yeah. maybe part part of what's part of why we uh, get into this mess is in the standards we have the learning progressions, mm -hmm. but and the learning progressions end with the ways of doing, and so it looks like the way of doing is the goal, 
but the end, the way of doing it is just one more thing. It's just one more piece, right? Got so got yeah, so I, so I, I really I really like to emphasize this idea of ways of thinking when regard with regards to uh, ways of thinking, ways of doing habits of thinking, all of those things working together. Because if you have just one, the ways of doing all you've got is a box of puzzle pieces. You know, it, when, right, when you're done right. with it. yeah, right. So my so I'm going to keep going with the year example here to push on this. So my sister got married in 1997, and I, was, I have to say somehow never made this connection. But she said to me one day, "If you want to know how long we've been married, just take what current year it is and add three, because we 1997 to 2003." And I was like, "Oh yeah, why did I not think of that?" <laughs> but yeah. so that's a way of doing it. So then that's one way of is that how does that relate then to ways of thinking? And so are there well, the many way different thinking, ways you yeah. do it and the ways of thinking around it? Yes. The idea is that when I ask that question, there are so many different ways you could approach it. Right. You could approach it with a way of doing and no harm, no foul. You could approach right. it with ways of thinking. But if you, all you have is the way of doing and you don't have those ways of thinking, then right. when, you get, when you get to somewhere in real life, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't illuminate. And a place where this happens is you can ask, you can ask like, uh, where, where in real life, ask this to an adult, where in real life have you ever actually used division of fractions? And I'll be surprised if you actually get any valid answer back from anybody. Right. right? And well, right. why is that? Because if we reflect back to it, when we, when we were taught the, the division of fractions, those of us who are of a certain age, right? We were taught a way of doing, and it was connected. It was totally disconnected from ways of thinking, grounded in what yeah. does it mean to divide. So right, that right. so you just that, yes, you were just taught the procedure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What and so when that you've got the procedure, but you have no place to hang it when it comes and shows right. up in real life. Right, right. That totally makes sense. So if I'm a teacher, how do I start thinking about encouraging these ways of thinking? See, that's, that's the tricky part, right? So, <laughs> right? Yeah, right? And, and so uh, I, one, one really cool thing that happened in the last couple of years, Peter Liljadahal came out with a book called Building Thinking Classrooms. And I'm like, yes, yes, we're seeing this emphasis shifting to thinking. Fantastic. Because at the same time, uh, I've, we, the, my colleagues and I at NWA have been trying to work on this, this, this idea of how can we get ways of thinking moving and talked about in classrooms in ways that are non-threatening, right? That feel safe right. to both teachers right. and students because it, it, there's awkwardness. When we ask ourselves thinking questions, all of us have to stop and think. And with thinking comes vulnerability, right? right. Uh, right. So what, what we, we, built, we actually built out some, we actually built out some things called these uh, formative conversation starters. And the, the role of the formative conversation starters is to basically help shape how you might enter into some of these kinds of conversations that are designed to focus on ways of thinking uh, and then to uh, do it in such a way that you also know what it is you're trying to listen for at the same time. So we've got these bins, these big ideas to nurture sense making. And then we've got uh, clusters of questions that unfold as you ask them and might lead to moments of cognitive dissonance or might lead to ahas or might lead to places where you kind of step back and go, I really do need to think more deeply about that. Uh, so, so there are different, there are different options of, to do it. You can put in classroom routines, you can build uh, tools, you know, like we've, like we're trying to build out, uh, 
and, and, but, but the idea is what, what can we do to, to do that? All, all kinds of things. Like Peter's got in his book, all, all kinds of options as well as what I'm, is what I'm offering here today. Yeah, so I like this idea of conversation starters. I think we're putting a link to them in the uh, in the Great. chat for folks that are are following along. Can you give us some examples? What are some examples of what these are and how do they work? Yeah, yeah. So and and uh, and and you know, I sometimes the, the idea like with uh, with fractions. You know, I might come out and we might start with a question like, well, what 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 is a fraction? You know, and then and then well. The next question might be, well, is a, is a fraction one number or two numbers? And just sit back and talk about it. Talk, talk about what you think on that, right? And, uh, and then, well, what do you think of when you think of three-eighths? Okay, what do you think of when you see eight-thirds? You know, because if you're thinking of three-eighths as three out of eight, then eight-thirds becomes something that's maybe a little, a little tougher to think about. Another example would be a question that starts off with like, well, what does division do for us? And so you want to sit back and you think about, well, what does division do for us? And then, and then the next question would be not, not to do a division problem, but to ask a question like, how, do you how can you think about, without, com without computing, how can you think about a problem like 10 divided by 1 half? And to be able to, to, be able to uh, go on to the next one, well, then how would you think about negative 10 divided by 1 half? Right, and if your if your ways of thinking are consistent and and uh, robust, then you'll be able to, your answers were sort of gelled together. But if you have fractures, and if they're if they're disjoint, then you kind of have to go back and kind of try to figure out well, how do I get the? I know that my thinking should gel together with my answers to all of these things. Um, how, what do I need to do? How do I need to accommodate the way I'm thinking in order to uh, make these things work? From the teacher's perspective, we help provide what you might be listening for. In these, I was in these just going to ask that. <laughs> yeah. 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 What are the things that you're looking for for the, from the teacher's perspective? Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah. so like, we know, we know that we want fraction. We want students to be able to think of a fraction as as a single number, as a as a point on the number line, right? But if right. I'm talking right. about, if I'm, if if you know, I ask my students about fractions, and they're saying, well, we're we're only thinking of it as two numbers, then. I'm talking about something as the teacher that's completely different from what they're hearing. And right. so it's this idea of getting these meanings out in the open so that we all know that we're talking about the same thing. So when I say fraction, you're thinking the same thing. Or when I talk about division, you've got a, a notion of thinking of it as a, as a multiplicative comparison, or you've got ways of thinking about it in terms of how many copies of one thing are in another, or this thing is this times as large as this thing. Right, which when you have those yeah. ways of thinking, then a question like how can you think of 10 divided by one half doesn't become something that's out of bounds at all. It becomes something that you can already hang onto one of those previous existing meanings of division if they're, if they're there, if you've got those ways of thinking. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. So do these starters work across ages and grade levels? Are there, are there things that we need to be, what kinds of things can younger yeah. kids do and what kinds of things can older kids start the, to get into? The, so the, the interesting thing about them is the way, the way if you go down, and maybe some people have already gone and downloaded the documents just while we're sitting here. <laughs> but you'll see the entry point, the entry point into this is through an item, it's through a standard. But the idea is we've spent so many years uh, unpacking standards, digging in and saying, let's look at this one standard. What we want to do is say, we're only using this as the entry point. 
because what we want to do is we want to find out what is all of the other mathematics that has to come in alongside it to help get through this. We tend to, we tend to look at the, an item, go, this is the standard. And then we say, well, if they get it wrong, then we want to go back and go to that nearest connecting standard. What we're saying here is actually, maybe you want to go ask them about what's a fraction. Right. right. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so let's go talk. Let's go talk about what what a fraction is. It might not be the nearest neighbor standard. That's that's the issue. It could be some ways of thinking that endure. And that goes back to your question about the you know who are these for? Well, you can take the the ones that we've got packaged in the third grade and ask them to seventh and eighth graders because the ways of thinking are enduring, right? And so the yeah. ideas are yes, yeah. they grow a little bit, but they endure and they grew out of these things. Actually, grew out of. Uh, are thinking about what could we help to provide teachers with as we move into this phase now where students are coming with such uneven opportunities to learn. And philosophically, yeah. I have to say, well, I can't just be focused on ways of doing. I have to be focusing some way on the ways of thinking and these habits of thinking that come alongside it. And so what what could we do? That's that's where we ended up with this. So if you are, if you are a, a third grade teacher, you could probably pull stuff from the fourth and fifth grade if you're a high school teacher, you can pull things from any grades, right? And they'll still be, they'll, they'll still be fair game because they're things to talk about, ideas that endure, that go on and on. So yeah. if you're in high school, you might dig into the functions. You might dig into comparison. You might dig into operations. I hope you dig into proportional relationships. Yeah, yes, yes. So this whole conversation is making me think about something that we talk a lot about at Khan Academy, which is what Sal used to call Swiss cheese gaps, but now everyone calls unfinished learning, which is the idea yeah. that lots of folks didn't get some of those foundational concepts in when they were first presented. Um, and so try to then build the next level without those concepts, which is kind of a shaky yeah. foundation and it just keeps going. Um, so it sounds like these, these conversation starters are starting to think about almost diagnosing in some ways like do you have those those do you have these, the ways of thinking right the, yeah, the, the foundational yeah. ways of thinking ways of thinking which yeah. which are you know when you look at their state standards you're going to you're going to see them kind of in there but you might not see them as explicit as we're trying to call them out here like the, yeah. these are some core ones that you want to keep coming back to you want to keep revisiting these and yeah. uh, and keep listening and so the kinds of questions that we are, we're putting out here, use them however you want to use them. Use them full class. Use them one-on-one. -on -one. Use them in small groups. Use them for turn yeah. and talks. You, know, you, can, you, right. can, you can do all <laughs> the idea is The idea is to sit back and listen. And it's also the, what we, you know, we would point out is it's also not, it's not intended to, it's not the, it's, there will be a teachable moment. It's not during this time because we want to set up the culture in such a way that this is, a, this is free. Open up, oh, okay. tell me what you're thinking. And it's right, not to correct, right. it's to listen. Right. And what's interesting about that, right, is if you keep asking more questions, you might realize that your first thoughts about their, the, what people like to call misconceptions could be completely wrong, that you've misconceived their misconceptions. <laughs> right, <laughs> I don't like right. using the word misconceptions because I, I, yeah, I, the students have the conceptions and this is all about what conceptions might they have, right? Not right, what don't they right. have, what conceptions might they have? How are they, they thinking have. about these okay. things? And let's, and let's build from that. That connects back very closely to Sal's uh, house, house building analogy. Yeah, right? Right, These are, right. These, are these, these foundational, they're more like, it's more like these foundational threads that wind their way all the way through, not just, right. not just on the bottom floor.
Yeah. You, you, yes. you just keep you to strengthen them like the trunk of a tree, right? It just keeps right. getting stronger and stronger. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. That totally makes sense. How do you think about the idea of mastery in this in this world? We talk a lot about mastery learning here and you know, thinking it's it's easy when you're talking about skills and having mastery of skills, but mastery of you know some of these things is somewhat different is that even a valid concept i don't know I, yeah it's it's so hard to say what what is mastery i mean we always want to draw every right we always want to draw a line for proficiency somewhere right what right. it means to have right. to have learned something yes. but in, right. in this in this mindset you know on the ways of thinking it's like these are things that continue to grow and change you know morph and evolve and and as as i think about well how 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 do we ever establish whether students have mastered this? I'm not sure that that's even the right type of question. Yeah, rather yeah. just like, you know, it's just to keep on, how is that scheme? How's that schema building up in their minds as they, as they continue to go? And, and how can I, right. how can I leverage that to go on to that next place? Right. Right. You can think about how you would expect some of these answers to change as you learn new things, you're yeah. changing your ideas about what these are as you kind of move up through new skills and things are developing. Uh, interesting. So we obviously do a lot with technology, but we also want to think about how teachers and technology work together. And so I'm interested in your thoughts about, you know, the, the interplay between the two. As I think about what you're talking about, things technology is never going to be good at doing what you're talking about. We, that's like the thing that teachers need to be in classrooms. So yeah. I'm interested in your thoughts about the how teachers and technology can work together to build on. And that's and that's where yeah. So I'm 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 happy to hear you see it that way because that's how I see it, right? It's that right. it's that it's that idea that uh, that the, the computer computers they're they're really good at helping with that way of doing things, right? The ways, right. Of, but but to sort of put these put these complex ways of thinking together, I mean, that takes some time and working and developing and and you know, I just I just it, to me, I see a very human side to that. That, uh, yeah. that it would be very that would be very hard to capture with with a, with a computer system. So uh, each each can play a very important role, right? Uh, so so the computers uh, provide provide an unforeseen uh, 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 an heretofore seen access to content in ways that we've never seen before, right? And so building that up, but that next task is well, how do we how do we take that access that that we've now shared but how do we build in these kinds of things can we what what can we have the computers help to support us with when it comes to engaging in these kinds of conversations that will that will be able to help sort of listen to students and figure out exactly sort of what might the next move be based on ways of thinking not necessarily just the ways of doing as you might see pointed out in standards and standards mappings that kind of thing yeah absolutely so another piece that we try to uh, encourage is helping students become owners of their own learning and thinking about developing those metacognitive skills, being able yeah. to understand what they know and evaluate what they understand and need to learn and, and how those fit in. Um, I'm interested in how you think about that in some of this framework too. Yeah, well, that 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 might land in that habits space, right? Being able to yeah. reflect on is am I, being honest with myself. Am I am I making sense? Am I in, in my own mind? Can I can I justify what I'm saying? Can I put the, you know, or am right. I just spouting off, spouting spouting things off? Uh, so so maybe maybe part of that is that you can with 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 
this type of approach, you, you really do get the opportunity for the student to reflect. It's by not correcting right away, by continuing to ask questions, you're providing the student opportunities to reflect. And then maybe it maybe when it's done and and you know, then you set you you sit down with the student and, and then you help them have some metacognitive reflection on it. What what would you like to work on? Or what what questions did you answer that you felt like you wanted to take back or think through again or think more about or learn more about, right? To help them, to help them spot where they, they need ways they wanted to strengthen their ways of thinking. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that idea of helping, um, of thinking about um, your confidence in your answers is something that we talk about too, like after students give answers, having them think about, so how sure of you were that answer and what did you know and didn't you know? And I could see them doing it with this too. So asking students, what do you, you know, what do you think a fraction is? And then how confident yeah. are you in that answer and where that fits in um, would be interesting yeah, to, yeah. to think about. Yeah, definitely. So I, what, um, as you think about advising teachers on next steps, so they've had this conversation, what is the next thing they should do based on the information that they get? Well, I think as, as you're listening, you're trying to you're, you're trying to interpret, right? What are you noticing? What work on work on those? What what do you want to notice with what the with what the student's saying? Uh, reflect back on it. If if you some of them we, we, in our in this this the, the things that we're putting together around these, we've got some videos, and it's very fun to it's very fun to to sit and watch uh, because you kind of get to if you watch it two or three times, sometimes you'll get even more and more out of it. Uh, so it's kind of a you know yeah, teachers what. What what could you do with these? <laughs> what what you know? I don't know. Did I get yeah. that? Did, I, did yeah. I answer that okay? Or I... <laughs> yeah. So the idea it, it's going to have the teachers are going to have to do some um, pretty good interpretation of what they're hearing, and then think about based on that what are the understandings that they need to either fill in or move forward or what that what that looks like. And and and. And it's also it's also self-reflective. I mean, when we when we were putting these, together, they made all of us stop and think. We had to right. sit there and think. Oh, how would we answer? This? Yes, because <laughs> it was yes. basically it wasn't. We weren't we weren't putting questions down to get right or wrong answers. It's coming up with questions right. that uncover thinking. And right. you don't have to right. ask right or wrong questions to uncover thinking. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, I think that's another piece in math, um, math education that we're coming to better understandings of that math education isn't just about right and wrong answers and where things are. Math does have right and wrong answers to some things, but not minimizing, but the, I'm not minimizing the need for yeah. right and wrong answers, right? right? But, right. There's a, but there's a time for that and there's a time for listening to thinking. Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. Excellent. Um, so anything that you're excited about, I'll, I'll close on this question. Anything you're excited about in the coming couple of months that you're seeing work is working on? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. The, uh, so one of, one of the things I'm working on, I just, I just did a talk on this at, at South by Southwest last week and Ooh. it's called, I called it mathematical rigor mortis, the quest for a cure. And it's this, and it's this idea where, <laughs> where, <laughs> 
when we sit back and we think about our field, math teachers, we think about how many ways does math kill things, right? <laughs> math kills <laughs> dreams, it kills joy, it kills progress. And and I think and, and, and also it also kills it also kills moving policy in the right directions and 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 making changes at systemic levels. It's the things are so entrenched in the way that we do things. But I'm encouraged, and I'm encouraged, and I hope I hope that the, the folks out there are encouraged that I think I think we're moving in the right direction to cure mathematical rigor mortis. And uh, and if you wanna if you ever want to reach out and talk to me about it, I'd I'd love to I'd love to go go into that as well but that's something i'm encouraged about is the the sort of spaces on the things i'm seeing across the country to help address that and we had a question from angel on youtube who's a student and wants to know how they can stay motivated when they're doing work we hear this a question a lot from folks uh, who are needing to stay stay motivated to do their work what do you think oh you know, so so maybe maybe Angel uh, and I, and I hope this this is helpful. But if if math is being presented to you as though it's the collection of puzzle pieces that you're just shaking the box and you can kind of hear them rattling, uh, the the challenge the challenge would be to know that it does make a big beautiful picture that all of the pieces fit together that no piece stands alone and that and that if 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 you find that encouraging then then you can figure out how these pieces fit together how what's the story that's being told here it's a great one uh and uh and there are lots of places where you could go to help get some support on that as well but don't don't let don't let the the current situations that you might be in or these you know these things that are happening all around us right now, don't let them destroy the joy that mathematics has for you. That would, that would be my take, so. I like it. And putting together that puzzle could be a challenge, a fun challenge yeah. to undertake and to think through. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, but it's there, yeah. it's ready to be put together, but it, it gets put together in your own head, so. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure to talk to you. And I hope some of our, our folks out there dive into those conversation starters. Well, thank you. This was great. If you want to hear more of Homeroom with Sal or Khan Academy Ed Talks, subscribe to this podcast and tell a friend. If you want to support the work we do here at Khan Academy, visit khanacademy.org donate. We're a nonprofit and we appreciate your financial support in making sure that our materials can reach as many learners as possible. That's khanacademy.org slash donate. That's our podcast, folks. Your hosts are Sal Khan and Kristen DeCerbo. This show is produced by our wonderful Khan Academy team, Stephanie Yamkovenko, Dan Tu, Irene Wang, Anthony Nelson, Felipe Escamilla, Irene Chen, David Reinstrom, and me, Kevin Dangor. Our intro theme is Time Flux by Revolution Void. Our outro theme is Onward by Poddington Bear.